This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, November 3rd, 2023. I'm Mark Bolache. In the report this week, a special program on the effects of artificial intelligence on education. The Labour Start report about union events and singing. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union till the day I die. This is Radio Labour. Artificial intelligence is being touted as a new way of providing education. But a recent report commissioned by Education International warns that it may be used to degrade the quality of education, worsen working conditions for teachers, and provide inferior schooling for students. EI is the Global Union for Teachers and Other Educators. It represents 32 million teachers and education support personnel in 178 countries. The new report is entitled The Unintended Consequences of Artificial Intelligence and Education. It was written by Wayne Holmes, an associate professor at University College London. I asked Mr. Holmes how AI technologies can replace teachers. I don't think AI can replace educators. That's my general point. The problem is that the history of the research of AI and education for 40 plus years now has all been about how can we automate what teachers do. Uh, Benjamin Bloom came up with the notion that having one-to-one tuition is much better for learning than when students are in a group situation. But the problem is that we can't have one-to-one tuition for every individual student. We don't have enough teachers. So the argument was, well, can we not use artificial intelligence to develop automated teachers? one-to-one for every student. So that's the background. But the problem is that what those tools do is actually very little compared to what a human teacher does. So as far as I'm concerned at the moment, there is no way that any AI tool that exists today is capable of replacing a human educator. But nevertheless, they are attempting to replace teacher function. And I've lost track of the number of times I've been at a big conference where a commercial AI edtech company will stand up and say, we believe that the teacher is the most important person in the classroom. And they spend 30 seconds telling us that, and then they spend 29 minutes and 30 seconds telling us how their tool is better than a teacher. So we have that pressure from the commercial sector, and we also have the pressure from policymakers and the school leadership team who are, keen to go beyond human teachers if only they could because the AI doesn't go on strike, the AI doesn't need a holiday, the AI doesn't get sick. So if we could use AI, then that would be fantastic. Now, most of the people in the AI research community only believe that the tools they develop are useful for, I don't know, 10 minutes a day. But the emphasis we're getting elsewhere from the commercial sector and from policymakers is that these tools can eventually do the job of teachers. The reality is they simply cannot. So it's important we think about these issues so we don't sleepwalk into a situation where suddenly we do have situations where 
in a physical classroom, the students are engaging with an AI tool, and the adult human in the room, their job is just to switch the equipment on and maintain behavior. If we're not careful, that's the direction we could end up. How could AI be used ethically and effectively to help educators in their work? We need to think about what are the actual problems that educators face on a daily basis. As I say, most of the research has been about automating what teachers do. My argument is that we should reconfigure that, change back trajectory, and be thinking about, well, how can we use these technologies to actually support teachers? to help teachers do what teachers believe are the problems that need to be addressed in the classroom. What can that involve? Well, I'm not being trite, but I think we need to speak to far more teachers to establish exactly what they need from these technologies. Now, a big caveat for that, most people are aware of now ChatGPT and the other generative AI that exploded into the scene just a year ago. And these tools are being sold not only as tools to support students, but also as tools to support teachers. The things like lesson planning or preparing notes and slides. Now, like anything that is a shortcut, it can be helpful, but being a shortcut means all the nuances, all the subtlety, all the expertise gets washed out. So we need to be really careful when teachers engaging with the tools that we have access to today to make sure that they're really critical with the outputs that they're being provided and that they only use them when they really do genuinely support what the individual educator is trying to achieve. One of the issues that Radio Labor has reported on is the use of educational tools designed by big, huge companies in Africa. What they do is they supply the educational material, maybe video, maybe sound, maybe books, whatever, but then they hire people who are not trained. They barely have a high school education. Do you think that's what's going to happen with AI? It's a really good point. Some time ago, I was um, speaking with people from the X-Prize, a big challenge-based organization in the USA that sets out you know, million-dollar prizes for groups tackling big problems. And one big problem they set up was an AI system to replace a teacher. And I said to them, this is crazy. You know, you're, you're misunderstanding the role of a human teacher in a classroom. It's not just about getting across certain facts or information or training in certain skills. It's much more complex than that. It's about relationships, it's about collaboration. It's about enabling young people to become the best they can become, to self-actualize, and to develop the young people who can contribute effectively to the society they're a part of. Education is not just about getting this information across. But they stopped me in my tracks and said, well, hang on a second. What about rural areas of developing countries where they don't have human teachers that can do what you've just been talking about? Surely we should be using the technology in those circumstances. And when they said that to me, I was a bit confused. I didn't know how to respond to that because how could I stand there and say we shouldn't have AI in those settings because in those settings, teachers don't exist. But as you point out, that very often there are adults in those settings. The problem is that those adults, for whatever reason, haven't had the training, 
or support that they need become experienced and qualified and competent educators. So if we put these tools into those situations, the Admirals, well, then surely that's going to help the children. And those children have a human rights education. Surely that's going to help. But it forgets lots of things. Firstly, lots of these places we're talking about, they don't have electricity. But how's the tech going to work? Well, let's imagine they do have electricity. They often don't have the internet. But how are they going to connect? And let's imagine they do have the internet as well. Often they don't have uh, professionals there who are capable of fixing the technologies, the laptops, whatever, or the phones, when they stop working. And we all know these tools stop working all the time. So without that, these tools are just going to work for a few months, they're going to break, they're going to sit on the shelf and not be used anymore. For an extended version of my interview with Professor Holmes, visit the Radio Labor website. A copy of the report is available on the Education International website at ei-ie.org. Here with his report about union events is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. This week, our top story section included links to the International Federation of Journalists, the Global Union Federation for Media Workers, call for Israel to protect journalists in Gaza as its offensive there continues. To date, an average of one journalist has died each day since the Hamas attack. The International Federation of Journalists and 70 media unions and journalist support organizations around the world are demanding that Israel live up to its obligation to protect journalists in the field. Other top stories this week include the launch of this year's Black Friday actions against Amazon as the Make Amazon Pay movement will see strikes at the company's facilities in several countries. And we carried a fair bit of coverage of the end of the auto sector strikes in the United States. The success of the union's innovative staged approach to the strikes is not only benefiting UAW members, but is already having an effect on non-union car makers, where wage increases quickly followed the end of the strikes. A random sample from our news pages includes articles about the clashes between protesting Foxconn workers and Chinese police, and significant changes to the laws governing maternity leave and the formations of trade unions in Bangladesh. These positive changes came the same week a garment worker was shot dead by Bangladeshi police during a rally in support of the demand by unions for a 200 euro per month minimum wage in the textile sector. But my favorite top story of the week was about the role played by domestic workers, most of them women, in and from the Caribbean in building the institutions of the global labor movement. Speaking of women trade union dynamos, on our Working Women news pages this week, you'll find a story from India about the push for proper toilet facilities on construction sites there. The details are different, but the struggle by women builders is the same the world over. In the past month alone, we've seen similar stories about identical struggles from Canada, South Africa, Australia, and Argentina. Stories appearing on our health and safety page in Newswire this week include a study of unsafe conditions and forced labor on small coastal freighters sailing up and down the African coast, strategies and tactics for addressing workplace violence in Canadian healthcare settings, and an effort by Cambodian unions to eliminate the use of asbestos there that is funded by Australian unions. 
Our current photo of the week is a shot of just one of many rallies that marked a one-day national strike by women workers in Australia 10 days ago. Labour Start hosts online solidarity actions at the request of unions around the world. This week, we'd like to highlight an urgent appeal for online solidarity with trade union activists in Georgia. If you can spare just a few seconds, you can do your part in the struggle by sending a solidarity message. Look for details of this and other campaigns on our site. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now, here for all the world's nurses and their supporters is I'm Sticking to the Union. There once was a union nurse who saw things had gotten worse. She noticed lots of work shift slots left blank by the boss who held the purse with only half a crew. He said, you'll bear the work of two. Standards fell. She had to tell that boss just what she'd do. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union till the day I die. This union nurse was wise to the company's rotten lies. The takeaways, co-pays, and ways that Bay State tries to downsize. Nurses give their all, but they can't always be on call. So when the strike vote came around, she boldly stood her ground. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union till the day I die. They offer lousy deals and they're digging in their heels. When will there be a weekend free for friends and family? Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Nurses work is hard, but if you show your union card, though bosses cut staff to the bone, you will not walk alone. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Till the day I die. And that's it, international labor news you can use. You can find our newscasts, feature stories, and English lessons for trade unionists at radiolabor.net. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.